John wanting to go deep. And he's got him! Jamison Williams eating up the yardage again. 81-yard reception. Here's a big hole. Look out, he is gone! Travion Henderson. And hand of Reese Hall. Reese Hall! Welcome to Burning the Red Shirt. I'm your host, Zach Tao. You're here with me again are the great Andrew Katz and Chris Kay. How are you guys doing? Great. Just best balling these days. I'm yeah. good, man. So, sharp turn. Uh, I, I know we had the show sheet, but I'm taking this in my personal direction to kick things off. So, I, I don't think I told you guys I've, I've made a dynasty trade already this offseason. <laughs> Oh, two, 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 two actually. I had to I had to berate Mike into accepting the second one, but uh, the the first one I did. I think it's a it's it's interesting enough that we can spend a little time talking about these players and because it's just a straight up challenge trade. Um, I think I gave I gained one round of draft of upcoming freshman draft on via the trade, but I moved Will Shipley in Dynasty for Marvin Harrison. And I, it's, it's kind of unfair in the sense that I like that my team is so good in that league and I have so much leverage at running back that I can not really care about if I, if it doesn't work perfectly in my favor, uh, because I've got like five other awesome running backs, I'll be all set. But I had a ton, all my top wide receivers graduate. I, I had Wandal, I had Stearns, I had Sorensen. So I've now I've still got some decent pieces, but I, I definitely want to kind of rebalance my portfolio a little bit in financial terminology, move nice. some back uh, value around into wide receiver. And I mean, it, I seeing how high Harrison's been going in our drafts, these first two ones that we've done, it's frustrating in the sense that I wish he hadn't broken out all over the place in that last game of the season. Cause he would, I would, I, I think I would have still been pretty strongly on him and he would have been so cheap because it, it would have, Everyone would have been trying to figure out if it's Fleming, if it's Ibuka, if it's Harrison. But now we have this kind of this guiding hand to kind of pull us towards Harrison. That is that breakout game. So, but I don't know. What do you guys think of that trade? I think that anyone that has like those are some big names. You get two years of both. Yeah, you're basically trading like maybe a a running back and probably a bland bad offense for a potential ridiculous upside receiver and the best offense in college football potentially. Yeah. Shipley's, Shipley's floor feels so nice though. Like he mm-hmm. has already proved that I, like I didn't think when I drafted him last year that he would be a dude who can take 20, 25 touches, no problem. But that dude is built, but I think, I don't think he's as explosive as I was hoping for. Like he's still going to catch passes and stuff, but he isn't just watching him a little bit. I don't know if he's going to break 60, 70, 80 yarders like I was hoping for. Like they need need in that offense. Right. Well, it's funny because what I got out of that, what you just told us was you basically said, all right, you peasants, I want all your good receivers. You can take the worst of my running backs that I have, even though they're all good. I'm taking your best wide receiver prospects and I'm going to win the league again. That's what I heard. Well, I, I, I came in second, second, unfortunately. Our, our oh. boy Rebel, Rebel Nut, uh, took oh, me down no. in the finals. Oh no! But I mean, by the way, I got to get him on the on the pod. So yeah, definitely be good. He'll be our first guest. <laughs> well, I I love it. Action for action, just for that yeah. sake of reason in the offseason. What did what was the second trade? Uh, Mike and I swapped Blake Watson for Tyrese Chambers. I got I got Chambers. Okay. So, so more wide receiver for running back, even though Blake has the <laughs> dual eligibility. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical of what, of the idea of that's that I'm skeptical, skeptical of it being a good idea that uh, for there to be three old, old dominion guys going in the first nine rounds of drafts. Like I know they were all, that the offense really funneled through those three guys down the stretch. Things definitely turned for the better when they kicked out the old OC but I mean that, like, how many offenses really are there in CFB that we have three three skill guys going in like the first nine ten rounds? There's probably not that many, right? There's just, there can't be. There's just not that many spots, and Old Dominion's really going to be one of them, and it's going to hold up. And- well, the third one would be the tight end, right? 
or are you talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuntz, yeah, like, he's, that's he's a little kind bit of an of outlier. Like yeah, it's kind of like a positional thing that gets yeah, him true. in. Because he's not – I don't think he's been picked yet. No, he, he was recent. taken. Oh, was he? Well, technically, based on the first two best balls, that's like about as even as it gets. Yeah. So getting yeah. to those best balls, right, we've completed one, um, the 35 We're round. not just going to keep talking about me. Right. We're moving <laughs> it on. continues just in another way. <laughs> No, 35-round best ball. We've already done, what, 10 rounds of the second one or so. Are there any players that you guys think that are just, like, way overdrafted, way underdrafted, or you're just surprised that they were drafted at all? So it is, it's such a landmine right out, out there right now. It's, it's the Wild West in the sense that we, are, we have nothing to work off of outside of any any mock drafts that might have been done in over the past month, we had an initial best ball at this point, but like that we just did over this weekend. So there's like, there's really nothing in the way of a reference point for research. And there's also here, I, I felt I stepped into the landmine of drafting a player who's going to be in the NFL this year. So it's, That's it's cool. I didn't it's even tough, think I it's tough it. out there. You got to be careful. Well, at least he, you know, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was right about that potentially. Who? What's the guy that you took? Brandon Lewis on Air Force. Like, <laughs> since when are Air Force guys not using all their eligibility? Eligibility. I, I know they, you were they have the weird four year rule, but I thought he had. I guess I just overlooked it. Like I thought he had more years. Hey, there. You know how many guys I like double and triple checked? Like, is this guy still eligible? Billy Kemp. Like, Billy Kemp was like, I googled four different like pages <laughs> to make sure that that, that worked. I am overall – I did not go quarterbacks early in the first one, and I immediately regretted it. It was like, man, this feels weird, this slot of quarterbacks that I'm ending up taking. And I thought receiver was kind of was kind of thin besides like some studs at the top. Well, I, I kind of agree with that. Like the receivers were thin, but I feel like – there was like a big group after the couple studs that were like, okay, these guys could really be good that we just haven't seen them yet, but we expect them to be good. Just as the offense that they're in or the situation, right? Like Mario Williams, like we, we just assume he's going to be good, right? He's going to USC. He's got Lincoln Riley. He's, he's the only receiver on the roster that's familiar with the quarterback and the coach, right? Like that's, you put two and two together. You just assume, okay, he's going to be a stud, right? Um, but Mac, I, I go ahead, Mac, Mac Hippenhammer. Yeah. Elite name. I guess people just assume he's taken over. So he, I challenge you to do use all the resources available to you and try and confirm if he's actually back this year. No one knows like <laughs> out of all the players in college football, like that I've tried to proactively go out and like feel good about. Well, let me just I DM him. him. I'm going to DM him real quick and just see if he's back. Head up There's nothing out Twitter there or something. Nothing. He's got a unique name. There's no way we're not finding a family member that can confirm this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I assume I he's know. back too, but because he would have been like in some, some weigh-ins for some Workouts random bowl game yeah. that uh, like, or something like that. But what about Marvin Mims? Do we what just assume him? he takes like over the top spot in a non-Lincoln Riley offense? So now that Mario Williams is gone, is that like a cool place to be? Uh, dude, I I feel a lot better about Oklahoma's offense this year than I did last year from a fantasy perspective. I think that it's just going to be get Gabriel throwing shots, doing cool doing cool things. They're not going to be subbing in eight to ten receivers, not playing those Riley games where you're just hitting fullbacks and tight ends for like 40% and running backs for like 40% of the targets. Like I, th I think things are going to consolidate a little more. It's going to be a little more reliable. So I, I like the offense overall for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm actually surprised. Um, not because I don't think so. We all kind of agree like Bryce young, we don't take him first round. Right. I'm actually shocked. He didn't go first round. Well, I, I thought somebody, we move markets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I couldn't. I was looking at him. I wanted to go two quarterbacks, bang bang, and I couldn't take him mm -hmm. because I just knew that, like, for the brand, I couldn't do it. So <laughs> they, I got to give it at least a couple more weeks before I can sneak it in there. I was the same way in the second draft because I went quarterback, quarterback, right? And then because I had the the uh, 
the turn. I had the the twelfth pick and then the first of the second round, and it was quarterback. And I said, do I take Hooker or Bryce Young? And I said, I can't take Bryce Young. I got to take Hooker, right? So I took Hooker more so because of what we talked about in the last pod. Um, we like the, I guess, the running ability more so than not that Young can't do it. He just doesn't, right? It's interesting because I was listening to, I think it was Jared, the one show that he was talking about on the Chase and Natty with like the stacking of like options you like. And I want to say, I can't remember who he was talking to, Debbie Dietz maybe, but yeah. he was, they were saying Tillman and Hooker would be like a great stack option at two, three turn. Mm-hmm. And like neither of them are making it to the 24th pick. Like Tillman has gone super early right. and Hooker's gone super early. Do you so stacking's an interesting conversation, and I'm not the dude who's ever gonna do the sort of analysis to determine how beneficial it is. But my theory is that the, my totally unsupported theory is that it is far less optimal relative to to NFL. Like I I assume that the the optimal nature of stacking in NFL comes from the idea that there's like a very there's a more limited amount of touchdowns being scored in the yeah. nfl and when you can capture those via a qb wide receiver stack like that that you're getting access to double the touchdowns with touchdowns being overall kind of rare but when we have 130 teams that's not really the case right so i, I like i lean more towards just like getting the best players and yeah allowing that to figure it out yeah because right like teams average 35 40 points a game in the nfl it's like the 20s Right. So I think it's the TD. And it might actually be worse to do it in best balls in college because if Bryce Young has a bad game and you stacked him with Jermaine Burton, then all of a sudden, like you already two guys are automatically knocked out. But like if they if they were to score, you still don't necessarily use Jermaine Burton, right? Like Bryce Young could throw a touchdown to Jermaine Burton and you could like last year with Georgia, it could be like three for 16 a touchdown. Like you're probably not using that in a best ball, especially with our format being just two quarterback or two running backs, two receivers and no flex. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm with you. I don't think, I think originally last year, maybe we thought about like, well, best bat, you know, stacking makes sense just because that's what happens in the NFL. But I think if people actually did the research, which we're not going to, obviously, <laughs> obviously, were I think you'd be we'd be surprised or wouldn't be surprised by the fact that you shouldn't. Right. Yeah. In in non in non best ball where you're actually saying your roster, I could I could see it being more advantageous. But in best ball, I don't know, Mike. Eileen, no. I'm I'm with Andrew because I, I I have a hard time trying to stack because there's so many players you like that are spread out across all over the place, and you're like, you know what? I want to take in case that doesn't work. I want to make sure I get the best of both of these situations, if that makes sense. Like yeah. if, if the quarterback, yeah. like in this case, you take Hooker, right, and they play Alabama, let's just say, and they struggle, now your Tillman's probably going to struggle, right? Like so you've completely eliminated two of your your studs. And that takes – yeah. What if it kind of the whole like – it's kind of almost a win-win when you take like – I did this accidentally – and I just don't – there's so many rounds and so few spots to start that I don't care. But doing, like, I picked Caleb Williams and then I picked Travis Dye. Like, there's definitely a world where both of them are, have huge upside in the same game because Dye catches so many passes. But also, oh, yeah. There's also the world where Caleb Williams stinks and it almost locks in a Travis Dye great game. Kind of like Deuce Vaughn maybe a little bit with Martinez, which I think he's getting picked very high. Yeah. Um, so real quick, I wanted to kind of just go over it. So just so you said that Tillman's not making it to the 24th pick, right? In the first draft, he went, what, 14th? And then the second draft, he went 19th. So second round is pretty strong. And yeah, well, and you took Hooker at like 13. So like yeah, you combine them, right? That's like 32 32- spots total i hooker went 21st no he went 21st in the first one and then i re- i guess you could say i reached for him at 13 in the second one but see being in the position i was in i said well if i don't take another quarterback who's going to be available the next time i'm picking yeah that's super I- thin because that was in my head i was like i don't really want to wait 
like for another quarterback, and I got lucky because Will Rogers was like the one guy I would take to still yeah. stick with the two quarterbacks, and I just barely got him. And that's so hard. like the quarterbacks that went after Hooker, Bryce Young, Hartman, uh, looks like Armstrong and Rogers. So I, there weren't as many quarterbacks as I thought were going to go, but still, they're the big ones that I would have wanted kind of went. Um, so, anyway, so are there any players that you felt like were maybe just way underdrafted, like bottom half of the draft, that you thought, like, wow, how is he still here? I tweeted out about it. So I'm convinced that all of us thought that Xavier Hutchinson went to the pros. <laughs> Because <laughs> Josh got him in the 25th round, and that's inexcusable. Right. Um, I thought he was gone. There's if you if you look at if you search for him on Twitter, there's people talking about him as and, a prospect like, and how the Patriots should draft him in April and, and stuff like so. I'm like, okay, this guy's probably gone. I had to go to like a search on Google News, and there so he didn't apparently he just posted on Instagram and just said, I'm back, and that's it. And that, like, and it happened like pretty recently, and that's the extent. Like, and like, no one picked it up or anything. Are you a little triggered because you took Jalen Noel like three spots before Hutchinson? You're right. So I, I meant to, to tie, I didn't have enough characters to tie that into my theory as well. But my theory is Josh saw me take Noel, and and said that, hey. prob- that probably got his brain working a little bit, and like, ooh, maybe Hutchinson's still around. So then he kind of does some Googling, finds out Hutchinson's still there and steals him. <laughs> Good for him, though. I mean, yeah. Um, actually, one of the players that jumped out to me when he was picked, I'm going to tell you, like, I was like, I can't believe he was still there. This is Taj Washington that you took, Chris, in the 28th round. Like, I was, sure thing. I was shocked he was still there, honestly. He's interesting because I think people automatically peg Mario Williams, number one. And then. Um, they have Gary Bryant, right? Like the, I actually took him fairly early-ish. And then it's like, okay, well, where does Taj Washington fit in? And I don't know, man. I don't, he's obviously, I don't think receiver one, but I was saying this right. to ATL Dan on Twitter, like if he's not receiver four, like there's no way. And if they're going to just play a lot of three receiver sets, which there's no reason for him not to at the 28th round, that's a pretty ridiculous, that's some upside. Yeah, for sure. I definitely thought um, I definitely thought that was strange. Jared says I think it's a mistake to peg Mario Williams at the one. I I overall agree with that sentiment. I think well, just from the perspective, I'm absolving myself of the USC receiver situation, and I think yeah. in co- college fantasy more than NFL, you can make decisions like that and not be overly worried in most instances about them coming back to really bite you too bad. Like just don't run into fading Bailey Zappi right across the board, across all your teams. And you'll be in a, a decent place where you have a shot to win uh, or do pretty well in your league. Right. But yeah, I, I don't want to play the guessing game of trying to figure out which of USC's 11 receivers are going to be worth owning. Um I, I get the argument for Mario Williams. I, I'm sure he he rocks. He looks he looked, he looked uh, great at doing some things last year. But I don't know. I, I feel like I will place my eggs in other baskets. Yeah, I, I'm I not, you know, oh, Go ahead, Chris. I just was just agree. I'm not doing Mario Williams. Like I think the familiarity with the offense is cool and mm-hmm. quarterback. But like that's the same offense that didn't really want to challenge him down the field or like make him like the key guy that like 70% of college teams will make a guy their key guy and they didn't want to do it. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I took him in the sixth round of the first one. And then I, I had the opportunity to grab him in the second one. And I said, you know what? Like, no, I'm not going to double down on him for the same reasons that we're talking about. Like in the best ball scenario, we're doing so many of these drafts. We're doing what 30 of these, right? Isn't that the plan. It's just not stopping, I think, until the season right. starts. So probably so, so daily, daily until the season. Exactly. Fantrax is going to like limit your leagues. Like it's going to say you've reached the maximum number of leagues you can be in. Until it does that, we don't stop. But on a serious note, like I, I grabbed him and I said, you know what? I think that's probably smart not to grab him over and over again 
because if he doesn't shake out as the number one, now you've completely overdrafted and all of your teams are at a loss because of it. Um, but anyway, as far as anybody else that you guys think that are maybe underdrafted, I feel like Andrew said this, I think maybe in like the Twitter thread that we're at, like the DMs that we're in or something, maybe, but it feels like there's a lot of guys that did not get drafted that like were pretty house, not household, like huge performers, but like guys that all of us definitely knew. Yeah, definitely. They just weren't drafted. I mean, yeah, I, we could have done another 10 rounds. There was when I was got, to, I got to like the 33rd round of the 35 and there was like five or six guys on my list that I was like, man, I wish I grabbed this guy. <laughs> I could have grabbed him. I was like, I guess I'll grab him in the next, in the next one we do. Right. So yeah, I agree. There's some guys that like, that are still out there. You could have, you could have done a best ball with like 16 teams and still had good player yeah. taken. You know um, who I liked Andrew's pick JT Daniels. Like, I think that's a sneaky, really good pick. And maybe other people were thinking it too, but I was basically just about to pick him, especially with where my quarterbacks were at. Like, we have no idea where he's going to go. And if he were to go somewhere cool, what did you end up taking him, like mid-20s? Oh, yeah, I got him super late. And 24th, it looks like. So, I mean, like, he could easily – why couldn't he just do what, like, Tyler Van Dyke does at a cool offense, like a cool school, right? And I think I took Van Dyke at, like, the ninth or 11th round. Yeah, so. I mean, then I, I think that there's a very high percent chance that I get solid value out of that, right? I mean, and he could be a total rock star, top five round pick if he goes to a, like a baller system. I feel like assuming non, assuming more JT Daniels stuff does not happen to JT Daniels, <laughs> assuming he avoids that, like the worst case scenario is I, I get a, a couple of spike weeks in a more boring offense. He enters my lineup a few times. So Jared wants to know where would you like to see him go? Anybody, any particular place? I'll, I mean, Nate, I'll steal Nate's idea of Colorado, Colorado State, right? I mean, Clay Millen's the the future there, but is he the most intriguing? Well, before the Jaden Daniels move or portal news, was Daniels the most? JT Daniels the most exciting or interesting? intriguing transfer portal guy still out there besides yeah. uh zach's guy sears yeah i don't know where he went if he just disappeared Sears, Dude, the <laughs> dental school uh anyone can enter the portal but get finding your way out's the a mystery <laughs> i would i'm really intrigued by him uh obviously Jaden daniels and of course the guy we've talked about way too much already on this this burning red show history is brew mccoy like i need to know like yeah. i'm part of me is like hey just go back to usc man it's a new coaching staff <laughs> he goes to Ole Miss. <laughs> well maybe he goes to pit when addison leaves right yeah i'd i'd like either one of those two quarterbacks to go to washington like everybody loves the whole DeBoer offense right but like I think people are going to be extremely underwhelmed by the production in that offense. Like, if you're relying on Heward and Penix, like, that's not good. Like, I can't – there's zero way I own anybody from that offense in this year if those are the two guys that they're going to be rolling out. I feel like it. it it's a bad practice generally to make sweeping assumptions based on the first time – a quarterback gets thrown into the lineup if he performs amazingly or terribly like that that initial chance that he gets usually or not always is representative of the player he ultimately becomes and i've gotten burned so many times by just using my eyes and seeing a guy get thrown into the qb1 spot kind of ad hoc on the fly he doesn't really do anything and I kind of write him off and then he goes on to have a great career when he's actually had the time to soak in reps going into the next year, know he's going to be the dude. So, I mean, I, I, I'm really like, I don't, everything in my nature is telling me just right off cured after he threw five picks in that, uh, in the apple cup. Right. And didn't that, that, so I don't know if you guys got 
uh, action down on the the Dylan Morris prop that night where his his uh, passing yards was like 299. So you just bet the under because you knew Horde was starting and you figured he'd get pulled. <laughs> and they didn't. The, the guy threw five picks in the rivalry game and they don't put Morris in for a single snap and not, we just get our money back. Like like the Iowa quarterback situation. Oh, it's the best, kept, dude. Like, they kept putting the number so high. I know Mike loved that one. I think he bought a boat off of those props. <laughs> yeah. um, but like if you're DeBoer, don't you just say, you know what, like why wouldn't I take a Daniels for one year? Like that feels like an automatic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but you're not wrong though because someone we'll talk about later is a clear, I think, uh, reason. I, why didn't, I didn't get to watch that much Fresno, um, yeah. even though I love my West Coast football. Like I, I never really tuned in much, but the the I think the Thanksgiving game against San Jose State, I finally got to sit down and, and watch uh, watch Jake Hayner and dude. They, I, I, I'm sure Hayner is talented, but it feels like DeBoer does such a good job of just putting him and everyone on the team in positions to like to make everyone successful. Like every play involves Hayner rolling out, motion, cool shit going on, and it it just seems like, unlike so many coaches, right? He just put he's just gonna increase the odds of the team being successful on a play by play level and then at a game level as well. Um, so, yeah. I, the one hesitation I would have, though, is Hayner seems really mobile, and that is one of the things that makes that offense go, even if it's not indicative indicated by rushing yards. Like, it, um, that is not JT Daniels, right? He's it's Jaden though. What's up? It's Jaden though. Yeah, it's you lose the passing a bit. Like, I mean, he's a good passer, right? Like, yeah, but I think he's not as good of a passer as JT Daniels is. But obviously. JT Daniels is a statue. Yeah. Jaden's calling card was his his passing though coming out of high school. Like the rushing was just kind of like a, a nice nice to have I think. And Herm has just let him die in in <laughs> that ring system. Yeah, like I I really like Hayner. I know you were talking about it. You weren't sure how great they really are, but like yeah. always in a good position to to perform. Like definitely, just like statistically, right? Like I think Hayner. In my opinion, I, I like him a lot more than most people do. Maybe that's because I see him a lot more because I, I pay more attention to like Mountain West and stuff. Yeah. But like when when Boise plays Fresno, I'm like, they can they can light up anybody, right? Like you're like you don't know what you're gonna get, but like I do know that they scare me on offense because they can they've got the athletes, they got the talent, they got a quarterback that can play, and he's coming back. Cropper do. Yeah, Cropper, and then. Um, Hicks, the guys I drafted him. Mims, uh, no, 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 the other was Kelly. Here. Kelly, yes, Kelly, and like they're they're pretty loaded. Like whereas you look at like obviously Boise State's usually the the preseason favorite to win the conference most of the time, but like there's a lot of question there, right? You got Cobbs, and then after that, it's kind of like all right, who's the other? Who who else are they going to throw the ball to? Right? Like, are you? Here, let me let me blow you up. Are you on that dude that Austin is obsessed with, Gianti or whatever his name is, the the Boise Super Recruit? No, I'm more on Billy Bowens for this year. Who who is that? Is that a tight end? Billy Bowens? No, he's a wide receiver. <laughs> he sounds like a Boise tight end, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's he a does. Receiver, though. I think he's like a fifth year senior or a fifth year junior, whatever the heck they call him now. They've been there five years. They're only a sophomore, but yeah, exactly. But no, I, I personally, if I had to bet money, I would say Billy Bowens is probably going to be the the other opposite, the opposite receiver to um, Cobbs. Fair. Um, one guy I want to talk about because I didn't get him in the first one, and I was thinking, okay, I've got a couple rounds to grab him in the second one because where he went in the first one, and I still didn't get him because Chris took him anyway. Is Daquan Finn? He went, he went 12th round in the first best uh, first best ball. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll, he'll be my third quarterback. I'll be I'll be set with that. I'll grab him like the 10th or 11th round whenever I get my double pick, right? And you took him in like three picks later, yeah, just now. Well, two. It's like end of you the ninth took him round. The end of the ninth round, basically, and I was like, well, yeah. all right. I mean, the thing is, right? Like, he is a crazy upside guy, as we saw. Exactly. He came on. He's young, but. 
when I've kind of banked on two high upside quarterbacks with like Caleb and Will Rogers, Caleb Williams and Will Rogers. So like what quarterback realistically am I going to take that? So like, I can't just take like a lame, you know, 26 point guy, like a Van Dykes is cool, but like <laughs> he doesn't, I don't think he's got like the upside to like overtake one of those other two guys. So it's like, if I'm going to go quarterback this kind of early. I have to go kind of like a crazy upside type. Yeah. I, I, I love Daquan Finn. We talked about it last time. It's just, I think for me in this one, I was going to just go load up on these three quarterbacks that I had. I got Cunningham hooker and then I would have had Finn. Now I have to rethink everything. So thanks for that. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess we can move on to um, a couple of the – actually, do you want to – you guys want to do um, our players that we think underperformed or just were terrible the year before and who we think we're going to take our chances on this year that think we're going to bounce back? Yeah, let's do it. Andy. And that, so we'll have our appetizer before the main course of the, the Bowers discussion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was say we got a lot of good transitions here, natural transitions. So they all work. Yeah. All right. So either you want to go first, Andrew, you start. I'll, I'll go first if you want me to. I, I can go first. Yeah. Floor's yours, Zach. Go okay. Forward. All right. So I'm. I, I didn't take him in the first best ball. Chris actually took him, but he was the next quarterback on my list to take whenever I was going to take another quarterback, and that's DJU. Like, I just have to believe that what I saw two years ago when he took over for Trevor Lawrence wasn't just a fluke. Like, I have to believe that that <laughs> offense is going to bounce back at some point. Otherwise, Dabo's in trouble, right? Like, if that offense mm. looks terrible again, like, People are going to start questioning, like, okay, well, maybe, maybe you just had like an elite quarterback talent, and you don't have that now, so now you're just average. There's so many ways to spin Clemson, right? Like, in some ways, I think it's super impressive that they won ten games with that garbage offense. I agree. I completely agree because I, I remember at the end of the year thinking, like, holy shit, they won ten games. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Like, like every time I watch them, like they might lose. They scored right. like twenty a game every game. And they were in every game. Like, their defense was great. Like, it kept them in all their games. But, like, yeah. they just seemed to always get the touchdown when they needed it. From whoever it came from. Like, they just happened to get it. They'd be down by three with a, you know, in the fourth quarter. And then they'd score. And then they wouldn't give up any more points. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's one way to win. But we're so used to seeing Clemson just – put 40, 50 points up on people yeah. like, with no so problem. What do, you, what do you think needs to happen? What is the most likely path uh, in terms of events that conspire for DJU to come back and not just not just have the job through the duration of the year, which is questionable, all right, but actually excel and leap into like the top three, four, five rounds of value? <sighs> Like what needs to happen? Well, yeah. So you can make. I think you can make an argument through lots of different lenses. He just turns on the Jets. That's and, what I'm looking at. Is like, is it? I'm looking at him like as an individual. Yeah. Like maybe just it comes down to focus. I mean, it could literally be that. Maybe he wasn't prepared for games. Like maybe he thought it was just going to come easy, and because he did it the freshman year, right? I mean, we I picked him in the twentieth round, and my thought was like weak quarterbacks that I have with like it feels like good upside. Mm-hmm. And this is – it's funny. Like, the C2C guys have, like, these interesting, very crazy analytics. And you can't argue with a lot of them because there's a lot of data behind it, like a lot of at least some data points behind it. But, like, every part of me is like, well, like, why not can it happen? Like, if you want to talk about, like, how it happens, right? Well, he – maybe he just walked into every game last year thinking he was the, the shit and nothing was going to change. So, I mean, he's got to be motivated, right? Like, everybody's hating on him. Like, like everywhere. How leash does he have? Well, let me get to that. Let me get okay. to that. They have they have a stud recruit coming, right? <laughs> so, that's got to push him, right? They also got Hunter start. Johnson back. Right? Didn't they get Hunter Johnson back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like some South Carolina conversation like last year. And then... <laughs> 
So he's going to get pushed for the, that reason. But right. then they start with like the crazy, the super easy reminds me, and I'm not doing this to like touch back on this and predict it, but it reminds me of the, a lot of the reason why I really liked Kenny Pickett for best ball last year was like the first four games are a cakewalk. It's Georgia Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech, and Wake Forest. Like if they're going to be a good offense, he like that's a good start. And you need like when this situation happens, when you have like the freshman come in, that's going to be supposed to be really good. You got to like win the gig and you need to put up some numbers. And that's like, it's not like they're playing Georgia and, you know, some higher end opponents. They're playing, you know, bad teams. Yeah. Andrew, how do you feel about it? I mean, inarguably, the line was a disaster last year, and his receivers were dropping balls left and right. Everything, I don't think you'll find anyone who really argues contrary to that. But inarguably as well, dude was missing passes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Hit bad numbers. They lose the the offensive coordinator is gone, right? They lost him, right? That's a good thing. That's a net gain, though. Yeah. But, like, my worry would be the bad stats in, like, who's playing receiver. Like, it's the same guys that missed balls last year, yeah. right? So, like, if you're looking at, it like, a devil's advocate, you know, well, it's the what, same guys. What did they add, what did they add that's going to change things kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, they need to let him run more. Dude, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? He gets hurt, then they just play the stud freshman quarterback, <laughs> he wins the gig, and then, and then DJU transfers out, goes to Auburn next year. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It felt like they were starting to do that a little bit more at the end of the year, but the offense just didn't seem super innovative. Right. It it definitely felt stale. It felt like they were just trying to not lose games. Exactly. It felt like, all right, just if it's not there, just take the sack, eat it, we'll punt it, our defense is good. Right. And we'll stay in it, right? Like some old school Big Ten football in the snow. Like, you look at his numbers. Like, I don't know how he's not better. This year, like I think you have nine passing touchdowns and you play yeah. a full year. Yeah, twenty-two hundred yards, nine TDs, ten picks. That's how bad their offense was, though, right? Like, if you looked at like CFB stats and looked at you know just touchdowns scored, they have to be in the bottom thirty, right? Like, it wasn't like they were running for a bunch of touchdowns. What? That's a good question. I'm going to look it up. I'm on. I mean, if they were smart, they would run him at the goal line every single time. And just do a better job of it, right? You like six five. Just need to move the ball then. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, who's stopping that on a goal line situation? Like, you know. But that—that's my guy. I think I, I don't know how he's not better, and if he's not, he's getting pulled, right? Like he has to. Yeah, that's the question. Is like, like how quick so of a trigger is realistically? It? How long do you think he has? Like you said, that first run of games is pretty favorable. So, like, let's say he looks just completely average in those games where he should be looking pretty good. Like, if he's just average, and they're probably going to win. But, I mean, they have an awful schedule. Like, the ACC is not good, right? Especially Clemson right. side. I mean, especially both sides, let's be real. Their only hard game is, like, at Notre Dame and maybe against NC State and against Miami. As I say, they play Miami, so yeah. Like, so how are those – if those are your hardest games, like, yeah. you got to – So we're saying at least 10-2 and two again? <laughs> I could see him go 10-2 and two and score 20 a game. So they'll, they'll be back in the playoff. DJ throws for 170 a game, and they're still in the playoff. <laughs> Look, he's going to go 170. He's going to have 60 yards rushing and three goal lines. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you get there. It's just that you get there. Don't care. That's great. Andrew, what's your guy? We kind of dominated that part of it because we were fiery up about it. Yeah, so we almost had to cancel the show because I couldn't remember who I wanted <laughs> to talk about. And after scrolling to the bottom of the ESPN standings to try and jog my memory, the conference-by-conference conference standing, I finally got to the Sun Belt and saw Georgia State pop up, and I was like, okay, that, that, that'll that do it. I, I know who I want to talk about. And, but I was also hoping we would stall enough to when I would be on the clock now and I could take him because I, w- I want to wait a couple more rounds. But after I after I state my case, I think I got to go ahead. <laughs> You're going to persuade everybody? Trigger. Yeah. So <laughs> Georgia State from 2020, tw- from 2020 to 2021, with 
relative to the greater landscape in college football, I can't think of too many other teams that shifted their offensive ident- identity so greatly uh, from one year to the next. Their they, they're QB coming into the year, Quad Brown, right, lost the job a few weeks in. And as a result, I mean, anyone that you drafted uh, as part of that offense, I think, yeah, I think that, that that's a fair statement. Any any player that you dropped it drafted as part of that offense going into the 2021 year, you did not get what you wanted out of that. So Brown lost his job. Now he's dude's at, uh, at an FCS school. Now the guy who was the starting running back, Mike, Mike's boy, I forget his name. He just uh, he lost his job, quit the team, and now he transferred to uh, an FCS school too. And then both receivers. Uh, who were pretty sweet in 2020, McCoy and Pinckney both did nothing because when the offense flipped from Brown at the helm to Granger, yeah, he had a, Granger had a couple of nice games from a passing perspective, but the offense really just started to revolve around Granger running the ball and then the two running backs that uh, kind of stepped in after, after Mike's boy uh, left. I think it's Tucker Gregg and Jameis Williams. They were seeing t- like 15, 20 touches a game each. Yeah. And so was picking the receivers him. really no. got shut out. So Sam Pinckney, I think by the end of 2020, had really stepped up as the the WR1 on that team. McCoy was the WR1 going into 2020, maybe 1A, 1B for some part of the year, but by the end of the year, it was clearly Pinckney. And going into 2021, that was the expectation. But he did not deliver, right? I forget. I think he missed uh, a game or two at the beginning of the year with COVID, and then the offense by Danny shifts, and he's catching like one or two balls a game. But now he walks into an amazing situation this year, going to Coastal Carolina, getting to play that Javon Hiley role, just get not necessarily hyper-targeted in a raw targets perspective, but as a target share, like – Likely's gone. Highly's gone. I look like you look up and down the roster of and Cam Cam Brown. I think that's Cam Brown. I think that's his name. Uh, he's gone too. There's no one that really has much production left on that team. The one tight end is kind of cool. Um, he went in our last draft. I don't remember his name. Uh, but I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but they're so like they're gonna still. Squ- I I have confidence in that offense. I have confidence in McCall. I mean, yeah, they'll probably. They'll probably continue to do a lot on the ground, right? But when they throw, I think it's going to be a lot of a lot of Pinkney, and I, I can see him from a talent perspective. Like I think he largely mirrors a lot of things that Hiley does. Um, he's a he's a big, tall dude, and he's already shown that he can pr- produce when he gets targets. So let's just kind of slot him in and let him do Javon Hiley things. Yeah, they don't seem to like want to pass it a ton. But right. they don't use a lot of options, right? Like so, like if you're just throwing it to a tight end and a receiver, it doesn't. You don't need to throw it 500 times to have value because you just get 45, 50 percent between those two targets. You're pretty set because they score enough. Yeah, Braden Bennett's complete side note. Braden Bennett is like super. I almost got him in this last this this basketball is super intriguing to me. He's another guy, dude. I wish he hadn't gone absolutely nuclear in the bowl game because I would have been loving to scoop him out. Like I don't know, like, man. I think people were on him before because he was so good in random spots. There's a difference between being on him though and taking him in the fifth and sixth round. Like I mm-hmm. I if that bowl game doesn't happen, he's probably late teens, early twenties. Yep. He is. I I like Pinkney a lot, by the way. I was gonna grab him in the first best ball and yeah, I waited, he went I waited the, too long. Yeah, he went the pick before I, I was going to take him. Um, I think. He was he was like one of the two or three guys next on my list to grab. And thirteenth round is where he went. Yeah, I think I think other Zach took him in the first one, but other People Zach have. picks picks after me now. So assuming JD, Josh, and Heisey don't take him, I'll, I'll just I'll just get it over with and take him now. Makes sense. Like Healy was a like a fifth or sixth rounder last year, so. Yeah. Very easily, you could see like a fifth, five, six round like value jump there. Mike's comments too good. What was his comment? <laughs> yeah, uh, Destin Coates is his guy. Um, but Mike, Mike is calling back, <laughs> calling back to some of my my other uh, amazing touts of Brandon Peters and Matt McDonald. Matt McDonald, 
captaining the biggest upset in college football last year. So <laughs> proving me so is much. He, Matt McDonald have the worst throwing mechanics in Dude, all. Dude, I, I think like, I think it got I think it's football. gotten a little better. Like he like clearly had college, shoulder surgery like. that impacted that. I think it's a little less less ugly, a little more watchable now. In- it's like when you have you see somebody have the yips. You know, <laughs> like in baseball, you'll see it. Like a guy hits a guy in the face, like a pitcher, right? And then like he's scared to throw it hard. Then he like stops halfway and then restarts it. That's what it reminds me of Matt McDonald. I think it was physical, man. I, like he he his body's been through a, a lot with like shoulder surgery and stuff. So I don't know, but. People were saying that my boy Jeff Sims had the yips last year, and I I don't know if you watched him, but there were a lot of short arms in his game, a lot of short arm passes. I mean, I, I hope he bounces back. I haven't pulled the trigger yet in any of our drafts this year. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a comment on Pinkney. He's right. Like, I, I wasn't sure how long he was going to wait, like, it's one of those strategies you kind of, like, you want to wait to see what other people feel about him. Versus, like, I, yeah. I like him, but do I like him way too much? Irrationally, yeah. So you kind of never thought about doing that, and then everybody was doing that the first one. So I was like, maybe I'll do that a couple with a little so bit. What, so guys, Nick's probably won't get picked. Ninth, tenth round talent, but you're like, yeah, maybe I should wait, and maybe let's see what somebody else picks. Man, I have no intention of actually taking him, which that's not what I did. I wanted to take him. I just didn't. So, well. Yeah. We need to get to Bowers before the end of the night, so I'll say mine. <laughs> DJU is like the guy I was more passionate about, I think. But Jay Sean Polk from Kent State, guy that like was supposed to be good, like I traded for him, like I traded Sam Howell for him and another guy or two, which worked out because of transfers and stuff. But um, like I think in that offense, like anytime you're in Kent State's offense, like they just are fun, like. They are the epitome of Mac football <laughs> action, and it just what makes Wednesdays great in the fall. So, I think he'd be a fun one. Like I got him last round. I mean, he could pretty much score like thirty fantasy points this season, or I could see him going for like sixteen, eighteen a game just because that you, offense. You just need him to run the deep routes on that team. Like, yeah. okay, we get it. See if his see if his is going to run most of the deep routes, right? And he's going to be the dude that is going over the top all the time, but. Poke, his calling card, I assume, I think it's a speed, right? And so I don't. They just use the little running back. We talked about this a couple weeks back. You use the little running back, you know, huddle, nobody can see him, and you just send both your guys deep. One of them will, like, the safety's going to bite or a corner's going to (laughs) bite, and you're good. I mean, that's what they did. Like, they probably have no idea. Let's go to CFP stats again, but like, they had to have been among the best at, like, Longest touchdowns, like sixty oh, yeah. plus yard touchdowns. I mean, every time he touched the ball, it seemed like it was a fifty-yard touchdown. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, so I'm here for it. I, I wanted to take him this time, and Mike is out here taking his fourth receiver in the first five rounds to take him the pick before me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, I, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> Brock Brock Bowers. Yeah. said we need to finish this by midnight, so let's get started on Brock Bowers. Nice. I said something to you in our little just G chat that we just screw around with all week, and I said something about Brock Bowers, and I could just tell in your text, your typing, that you were fired up, and you didn't even say anything crazy. I just could sense <laughs> it. And so I said, literally, I said, save it. Like, don't say anything. Just wait till Monday night for it. So... My original question was just basically about Brock Bowers and like, what do you expect for next, like this upcoming season? And then you can just, you can just go. I don't, I don't want to answer it that way. I mean, but I, in terms of what I expect, I mean, would it be that surprising if he went for between 800, eight and 900 yards and double digit touchdowns? Like that's what he just did. Right. And like 60 catches, like 800 yards and 13 touchdowns receiving. I think it was something like that. Yeah. And our, 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 as in Georgia, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of the, the Georgia stuff's kind of angled away, but our um, receiving options outside of him have gotten demonstrably worse this year, right? With with Burton, Pickens gone, um, so I would think that. I mean, the counter argument for his production relative to this year is, I think that if the 
if the surrounding options are worse, he'll be covered more. But I would counter; he's uncoverable, so it doesn't matter. Like don't, you don't think you don't think Alabama was going was trying to cover him when he went for like thirteen for one fifty on them or whatever in the SEC championship. Like, I don't think you can cover that dude. So I don't think yeah he's uncover uncoverable. I my so like did he go for that much because they Georgia all of a sudden became this like very pass heavy team, right? Which they had not done. Like my thing is like obviously he's legit, but like there's no way I'm touching him within the first four rounds because like this last year is basically the best you're gonna get to me. Like I don't even think TD regression's even possible. Like it's gonna happen. He's gonna score like ten, like twelve, fourteen times because that's just how Georgia is. That the problem is that they're too good. They like to run it and they're way too good. They don't have like the Arkansas game. Like they were up like thirty five zero in like 10 minutes so like all of a sudden brock bowers is non-existent for a week yeah so the way that i want to argue why i am good taking bowers early maybe maybe top two rounds is a bit ambitious but third round fourth round right now i think right now it makes a lot of sense given the information that we have available to us on the tight end position. And by that, I mean, we don't really have a ton of information. I was right? so, say that, like relative to other positions, like he's the clear yeah. favorite, right? Like there's, I don't, I feel like he's, he's one and then everyone else. Right. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah. Simple. So if you, if you wait on tight end, you're putting your eggs in a basket that is, much more likely, I think, to just net you very minimal in the way of points. So if you, you can take th- three guys in like rounds 15, 20, 25. I think that's what I'm going to do this time, actually. I just want to see how it plays out in this draft. I, I haven't drafted a tight end yet. But, I mean, even when we're drafting later in the offseason and we know more about what we expect from tight ends at schools, there's a lot of these guys still still bust for lots of reasons right the t- the tight end position just feels like it's it's got so many busts across it and this year we see there seems to be a large consensus that there was a lot lost from tight end uh going out the door at the end of 2021 and that just when you compare what we were going into at the beginning of 2021 versus the beginning of 2022 at the tight end position it's not comparable 2021 looked way better going in so for those reasons, I think 2022, just for the position at large being worse at the outset of the year versus 2021. And also, I don't know if I'm articulating the argument that, that well, but I just think that we just know so little about the tight end position from team to team at this point that when you are that known quantity becomes so much more valuable as a result. So yeah, I, I, think, I think you played it right. Because like it like totally hits on what you're saying. I waited and I took five guys, and I probably wasted a pick on three of them. You took five. I took five. I took two. Listen, listen. I know, but you did it perfect. You picked two, <laughs> so like you went Should right into one. which is great. So I went Gavin Bartholomew, Josh Weil, Elijah Arroyo, Brenton Strange, and Eric All. Like. That's a bad group of tight ends. <laughs> so, like, I could have just wasted four picks. Yeah. Tight ends? What's that? You have five tight ends? I have five. Holy shit. In the Why, first draft. I hate worrying about bye weeks and stuff, and I was like, I'm way too lazy. I the last one in the, in the second one in the last round. But, anyway. I was getting somebody decent. Right. So, I think your argument gets better with – like flex spots. And when we get flex spots, I think it's even more valuable because then you can pick two tight ends. You're good. And then you can focus on filling in those flex spots right now. We don't have a flex spot. So you're going to have three. It's just, it's just two running backs, two receivers, I believe. No, I thought, is it really? I thought, I thought there's three uh, flexes. This league that we're one one of us has been drafting under, the wrong frequencies. <laughs> it could be you, one of us. Uh-oh. Cats is up. So real quick, there's a couple nice. questions. I put it out there just for a couple questions to come. 
Um, I'll get to Mike's question in a second. That seems like one we can like wrap it up, but like had one from Corey Cavender on Twitter. What mid to late round quarterbacks are you targeting for a punt quarterback strategy? <laughs> so putting you guys on the spot, I guess. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's a, I mean, mid to late, right? So, like, I think everybody loves the whole, like, the so and this ca- you need to caveat this with Corey is a proper de- degenerate, right? And he's not one of, like, he, as evidenced by, we interact with him, right? But also he's actually asking a question to this, this program, right? So, right. We can't, you can't, you can't just cop out and give an answer of, like, someone who's going in the 10th round of a right. P5 league. Like, these, these, you need to give Corey his proper credit and do, I think, and just do it justice with a good answer. Uh, Grant Wells is interesting to me. He's like a pretty known, right, Marshall, but like going to a Virginia Tech offense that under Fuente was just the worst thing ever. So maybe, maybe Grant Wells, but I, putting me on the spot. Yeah, it's funny. It feels like the best I can give right now. Ask you like off um, before the pod, like about him, because what you thought about him being at Virginia Tech, but. Um, obviously, I mean, he fits like a Virginia Tech offense. We're not doing any spread, right? Like, we're just gonna, we're probably best case gonna try to look like Marshall in a sense, where it's like you know, running it and you know, cut, throw a couple of receivers out wide and just be very typical of an offense that's in shotgun. It, it, honestly, another one that we talked about early pods that we did, like Bo Nix, right? Like, I feel like that's a Good one. You could take a like a late chance on. Like, why not? If you're if you're talking, I mean, he's going to start twelve games, right? Like, I got him twenty fifth round. Start yeah. twelve games, probably get like twenty twenty two points a game. I mean, he if you look at his games last year, he actually had weeks where he was in like the thirties, which was shocking. But right, we've already had the discussion. Yeah, I'm just saying, like that that would be one that could kind of qualify for that. I think. Um, all right, so did you see Mike's comment about – Is it three flex? It says – he says Chris is drunk. <clears throat> why does it – when? okay, so why are there no flex spots popping up? I agree. I thought the same thing. That's why what you, I thought – What are you looking at? So when you go like to look at the actual draft room, yeah. last year, every time it would show you like quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, yeah. and then it would have flex. Really? Yeah, like you could actually pick flex spots. Like All right, not pick flex spots, but like once you pick like a third or fourth receiver or something, it would put them in the flex position. Yeah, but right. there's no flex spot. You want to wrap this up, so I, I got to get to this this question, then Mike's question, then we can wrap it up. So Jared asked, one person going in the first two rounds that you want no part of. You've already said Bowers, you don't want a part of him, but I don't know if he's going in the second round of all drafts. Just that one. Lou Nichols, Josh Downs. I'll give one for each round. I was going to say Downs. I was. A no quarterback scares me, and I think there's, a, I think there's a real shot. Like Mac Brown is, like had like one or two great years, and it's just all downhill from here. And I, I don't want Lou Nichols with the. There's so many good options. Mm-hmm. Like I just wouldn't want him in the first round. Is it cheating to say Milton Wright because he went at the end of round two? Or is that acceptable? It's fair. I'll allow it. I didn't like. All right, nice. It's it's on the fence, right? But <laughs> I I would not be surprised if any one of Wright, Thompson, uh, Tracy, or Cannon was the top guy yeah, in Austin's the year in the Purdue offense. Yeah. Like it, no chance I'm getting anywhere near making a declaration on who I want as the top receiving target. Anywhere near in like top two, top five rounds. Yeah. I agree with Chris Downs. I don't want to say I wouldn't touch Nichols. Like if I was in the right spot, I would take him. But Downs for sure. I think if he's there, third, fourth round, I'll grab him. But who's your? I think everybody agrees JSN is the number one receiver. Who would you draft second? I've always been leaning Perry. Every time we've done it, like Perry's been the one that's next on my list. But I think worthy. Um, I, I just, I think it wouldn't be that surprising to me if Perry and green stats are closer than we think. And 
take away from each JSN other. JSN and Harrison are closer. So here's the here's the, the way I, my my twisted brain works. How do you think JSN would be drafted if he didn't go for 350 against Utah starting running back as a defensive back in the Rose Bowl? That like, definitely impacted it. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think he's still a first rounder. They're like a late first, early second, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, because right, like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson weren't first rounders last year, and everybody knew they were studs. Yeah, but but we 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 incorrectly as a community, a lot of us were led to slaughter by Mike's theory that Ohio State was going to be more running back driven last year, and what we're going to take the air out of the ball. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, speaking of Mike, last question. I'll put it up on the screen. Um, if time allows before Chris's bedtime, favorite and least favorite best ball drafts amongst the group. Let's get spicy. We're doing the first one because what, what does this question mean? Who had the best and worst drafts? Best and worst drafts amongst our best ball that we did. Mm. Oh, okay. Got to look at this thing real quick. I haven't really looked at everybody's drafts side by side. Well, I, I thought other Zach kept sniping me every like every single pick, or not every single pick, but very regularly for the in the first draft from throughout the duration of maybe the first half of the draft. And so whenever I mean I, I think so highly of myself and my own acumen that whenever someone keeps taking the players that I have on my on my queue, like that you're always gonna move up on my on my on my board in terms of how you're doing in, in a draft room. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his draft like it's pretty solid. Um, everybody's got – I don't think anybody just had a bad draft, though. It's like, so early. Yeah, like it's hard to say, oh, that draft sucks. Like I, I looked at mine. <laughs> in, in the moment, I said, oh, I did good. And then like and when I looked at it in entirety, I said, oh, I don't know if I like my draft. Like just comparing it to some of yours, like eh, I don't know. I like Heisey's draft probably – I mean, it's hard, right? I'm looking at like the top six rounds. And I'm like, who are the like who are the teams I like the most? I like Nate's top six rounds. Mm-hmm. I like Heisey's. I hate. Uh, I'm not a fan at all with Knicks. I just don't like Downs. I'm not as huge on Quentin Johnston like everybody else is. Cropper's good, but like he's got three receivers now, and now I just found out there's three flexes. So whatever. Tank. I'm not big on Tank. The offense is going to be so bad. Yeah. I, I'm with JRP, you your boy in the eighth. Like, it's like that's big draft capital for a big question mark. Yeah. He took five quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds. Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, Andrew, I like your draft. Um, I mean, Bowers in the second round. You can say what you want about it, but you have the best tight end. Like, I don't think anybody's going to disagree. And if, go. like, and if he is a thousand yard receiver, let's say, like, that's that's pretty. Who do you like more, Bowers in the second or Mayer in the third? I like. I think I like. And if that's the scenario, I think I like Bowers in the second. Agreed. What about Mayer in the fourth? And what round would you take Mayer? Hmm. Good, it's a good question. It is a good question. I mean, the the short answer is I probably just don't take Bowers in the second again, uh, seeing how it played out. Like, I, and knowing that I could wait another round. You um, went early fourth, I think, in this last one. I I was totally out on Mayer going into last year. I didn't get him in a single league, and then dude, this dude shows up Sunday night of the first game of the season and just starts torching Florida State week one. And I'm like, I am losing every single one of my leagues because this guy is just going to win whoever owns him every single title. And Notre Dame just it felt like they didn't target him as much as they should have last year. And but like yeah, there's there's. In the middle of the season, like he started off like, oh, yeah, he's a great, and then it was like a five six week stretch where I think he got dinged up, but that dude's a total monster. Yeah, I mean, there's different sorts of questions about I think Notre Dame's passing game relative to Uga's coming into the, to this year, uh, but he's I mean he's he, he's a total stud. So I mean, t- so second round Bowers versus like fourth fifth Mayor. 
Yeah, I think fifth round for sure. If like if those are my two options, take yeah. Bowers second or Mayor in the fifth. I'll take Mayor there. I mean, you've seen you've seen my room. That's I think that's the answer to that question. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to kind of end things. I know Chris trying to go to bed. Um, Long week ahead, man. Yeah, Long week ahead. It looks good. Even I didn't even put any gel in it. This is a. Uh... Right, you guys caught me in an off day, and I was not I got tried to be with mine, so it doesn't look so bad. I didn't wear a hat tonight, so I had my hair looking halfway decent. Uh, so, anyway, but uh, that's all we've got for tonight. Um, uh, till next time, I guess, guys. Later, later, dude.